Welcome to Listen Up America, a show about the truth, opinions, and thinking. A constitutional and conservative podcast in a world of woke cancel culture. We are the resistance. Welcome to the LUA Podcast Studios. I'm your host, Eric, and this is Listen Up America. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us this week. We've got a pretty interesting show for you all. Uh, We're going to be talking about COVID. It's been a few weeks, and we've got quite a few updates that I have been uh, stockpiling to come with you with more relevant information for you all to ponder and consider through your day. Then we're going to do something new. We haven't done any conversation on Afghanistan, and uh, there's news about that, and I would like to talk about that today. I've got quite a bit of information and feelings and thoughts on this and uh, the tragedy that the whole thing was. And then we're going to talk about crime. With crime, there's always new information in the crap hole of California and other places, but we do have some information that... And I, I try not to be like specific about certain areas or counties or cities or states, but it's important that the information I'm sharing for you to consider is because of where it comes from. In a place like San Francisco, for example, where it is 90% liberal Marxist and the city is completely out of control. And it's the benchmark for the rest of the country when it comes to these same cities like Chicago, New York, that want to be like San Francisco. So if you want to know what's going to come, I'm going to point you to where it begins so you can see what is going to come to a neighborhood near you. So let's get the show rolling. COVID time. Don't touch me. I'm sterile. So you guys know I'm really big on perspective and gathering information, learning more about COVID every day, every week, and every month. Sharing it with you. I'm sure you're getting your information as well. And you got to piece these things together. I want to talk about life expectancy. In the United States, the life expectancy of a man in America is 77 years old, okay? The average age of death from COVID in the United States for men is 78 years old. Try to wrap your head around that. Just think about that. We're averaging 77 and COVID's killing people at 78. None of this sounds unnatural. Now, where this came from as you all know, I very much believe was not natural. But you get to the hysteria and the political power and control imposed upon us, and we're going to talk about that as this segment of the podcast goes, because your government is getting out of control. So we're sitting here, and we're freaking out about what exactly? People are getting sick, and they're dying. Okay, are they? I told you, there's counties and cities revamping numbers. Um, They're not going up. They're coming down. They're not talking about it. They haven't even adjusted national numbers based on any of this. They're just, you know, just keep stockpiling it. Just the bigger the number, the scarier it is, which when you keep it in mind and you look at it from big picture, is it because death rate on this thing is lower than the flu now. So if you weren't freaking out a year and two years ago and 10 years ago and 20 years ago about the flu, you freaking out now wearing a mask, like they're telling you, you know, wear your mask everywhere you go. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I've been to Asia and I've seen people over there wearing their masks because they think that's going to protect them from illness and air pollution. And it doesn't do anything. But here we are following like sheep. I got an article 
from the Washington Post. And as you all know, the Washington Post is not Fox News. We on the right affectionately refer to this paper as the Washington Compost because it's full of crap. But they come out with some things that uh, make my arguments and my beliefs valid. So this was an article from June 20th. Okay, So this is geez, over three weeks ago now. From a Joel Ackenbach. I believe I got his name right. Scientists split in search for origin. With public on edge, colleagues snipe at one another over animal host and lab leak theories. So I'm going to read a little bit of this to you just to give you an idea of what's going on here. So you got a Stanley Perlman. He has been studying the coronaviruses for 39 years, and he got a nasty email on June 4th. Quote, Dr. Frankenstein just wants more public money and wants to research things he shouldn't be messing with. Thanks a lot for Corona Loser. End quote. Perlman, a mild-mannered grandfatherly virologist at the University of Iowa, didn't know the author of the deceptic email and had nothing to do with the emergence of the coronavirus. But he had co-signed a letter to the Lancet, that's a publication in the science community, in February of 2020 saying SARS CoV-2 was not a bioengineered virus and condemning conspiracy theories suggesting that COVID does not have a natural origin. That remains the consensus of many scientists, but the lab leak theory has never gone away and has become louder than ever. It is not a theory so much as a constellation of scenarios that imagine how the virus may have emanated from a lab in China, ranging from the accidental to the sinister. So it goes on, and it's been dominating this. So come to find out, like, these emails are coming from other scientists. <laughs> it's, it's a scientist that are not on the payroll and don't have an agenda calling out people that are mild-mannered and just been studying it for 39 years. Did you even know what this thing was 10 years ago? No. But they're playing with it. They're openly playing with it. And they got caught. Or maybe they didn't. You know, it depends on what the media is going to do about this. But you got Congressman Kevin McCarthy is out there. He's a Republican. He's the House Minority Leader from California, which is just weird. But he comes out and he's calling for a declassification of all the information on the origins of COVID. Done. Let's let it out. Which tells you, A... The government has information, like I've been sharing, that tilts the scale to believe that these people are in China were monkeying around, and we paid them to do it, and it got out. Back in 2009, when one certain hag, Hillary Clinton, she was the uh, Secretary of State back in 2009, she was uh, warned. There was a report out there. She was warned about the Wuhan biological weapons in 2009, right? I've told you about all the warnings that came up three years ago that Trump and his administration knew about, but they didn't apparently tell Trump or anybody above the stage of the State Department. See, the State Department seems to think they run the country, and this is that whole, here's the swamp. Everybody thinks they're smarter than everybody else and doesn't answer to anyone. And when you're a Democrat, well, nobody cares because you just do your thing and nobody's going to say nothing because the media will never, on the mainstream side, call it itself out. It's going to protect but during the COVID-19 pandemic, former Secretary of State and presidential candidate Hillary Clinton waxed eloquent about suspicions by former President Trump that the Wuhan Institute of Virology had precipitated the pandemic. And she said they were racist. But a cable obtained by WikiLeaks was sent from the State Department in 2009 to all embassies and member nations ahead of the Australia Group plenary sessions in Paris 
on 2009 of September. The Australia Group is an international export control forum organized to prevent the spread of technologies and research that would be used in chemical and biological weapons. This is Hillary writing this now. We believe it is important to focus on emerging chemical and biological technologies, trends in the trade of CBW-related goods and threats. CBD stands for chemical and biological weapons, in case you didn't know. The U.S. believes, and this is while talking to France, participants would benefit from hearing about your experiences assisting China in setting up a biosafety level four lab in Wuhan Institute of Virology from the export control and intangible technology transfer perspectives. We are particularly interested to know how China plans to vet incoming foreign researchers. They knew they were playing with this over 10 years ago. And we've been paying the whole time. Frankly, everyone is as guilty as sin. And this was done on purpose. I, I really have no doubt about this. This wasn't an oops. This was, let's make something, let's release it, and let's just see what happens. And I guess they were hoping it wasn't going to turn into a real world walking dead. So it just kills people. But what it was doing was killing the elderly population. And I'm going to bring this up because I think it's important. You have to understand, Rahm Emanuel's brother was the guy that wrote Obamacare, Okay. And he's a doctor, and you'll see him on CNN from time to time if they want to talk about medical in the future. He was open about kind of having a Logan's run. It's an old movie. Look it up on the internet to see what it's about. But basically, you live over 30, they kill you. Well, this guy was like, hey, once you get to 60, 65 you know, years old, you're kind of a drain on the system, so we kind of don't want to spend a lot of money on helping you get better. They just want you to go away. Well, knowing that... And you see that we're sending money to China to finagle and play with and manipulate a virus that wasn't anywhere is now everywhere. And it's killing Americans above the age of 78 on average when their normal life expectancy was 77. So it went after the elderly. I'm just saying it's, you know, it's not trying to be conspiracy. I'm just giving you actual facts. Rahm Emanuel's brother who wrote and set up Obamacare said that and said it over and over, stands by it. He's like, I got no problem with that. I mean, you know, when he hits 60, 65, which he's really close to, he's not going to whack himself. He's not going to check out. There's no way. They'll be looking to, you know, freeze his head or something like that because they want to live forever. But it's the hypocrisy for this whole thing. And if they start killing a bunch of old people very disproportionately and then coming up with these vaccines, you all know that all these vaccines from Moderna, Pfizer and so forth, Johnson and Johnson, none of these are FDA approved. None of them. They've asked for it, but nothing has, the process has not even started. Do you know most vaccines take over 10 years to get an FDA approval? The earliest has been like seven years. We can get you something in seven. So we got these <clears throat> vaccines and they're causing a lot of problems out there. You've got the kid gets a vaccine and a day later he's dead. I think that was in Michigan I was reading. Just dead. Never had a chance. The FDA has a warning out for your vaccinations. Did you know that? There's a warning. They haven't approved it, but there's a warning. If you're young under the age of 18 and get the shot, you have near a 10% chance of the child getting a heart issue. It's a big medical term, but basically it's inflammation of the heart, which causes cardiac arrest and other issues. Cardiac arrest cases in America with young people is up dramatically. Perfectly healthy children are now having issues. So like you said, my son's 
you know, my youngest is 17. I am responsible for him. He's an athlete. I think most of you know that. He's a runner. I'm not putting that crap into his body. A one in 10 shot, he may get a heart problem or a one in a thousand or 10,000 chance that he gets COVID and might have some side effect. But the chances of it even killing him is phenomenal. It's something, it's millions to one. The FDA is warning you. Hey, shh, don't tell anybody, but this stuff can really mess up a kid and make their heart get inflamed. And then it causes a lot of muscle issues. And all of a sudden they can't pump and then, boom, heart attack. Thanks. I'll pass. The CDC is now, and its advisors are discussing the heart issues about this in young people. So now, here we go. It's the reaction to the reality. Oh, this isn't so good. We ought to talk about this. Everybody, go get your shots. Go get your shots. Everyone's got to get a shot. Get your third shot. Get your tenth shot. Just keep pumping that crap into your bodies. And for some of you, you may go, hey, I'm good with it. And it hasn't caused you any problems. God bless. You are entitled as a free American and a human being to make the decision is best for you. But I'm not putting any of this in my body. And to date, still no flu, still no COVID. You know, knock on wood, whatever. My entire family's that way. My oldest tested positive like six months ago, sent home for work until I can get a clear test. Not one symptom, not nothing at all. Not even a sneeze, nothing. And therefore, we didn't get anything because guess what? He didn't have it. Another false positive from a test that's 50-50. I still believe that this thing reads more flu symptoms than anything. If you just got a thing, it's going to go boop and red flag. Look, you got COVID. Actually, you just probably had the flu because there were no flu numbers. You can look it up. There were none. Nobody got the flu. No one's had the flu in over a year. Nobody. Nobody's died from the flu in over a year. Nobody. Okay. But this just goes on and on. And now, you know, Fauci's been laying low. And the reason for that is all the lying, the misrepresentations that he's been giving both the public on his media tour and also going in front of the Senate and House committees and lying about everything. Okay. We're going to start here. So Greg Jarrett's out there reporting this and you need to understand there are two people that work for the Washington Post. Again, the Washington Compost. It's not a right-wing rag. It is a left-wing Marxist rag. But they're actually going to do their job, I guess. So they got a book going to be coming out detailing how Fauci resisted a presidential directive from Trump's White House in April of 2020 to cancel a research grant to a nonprofit that was funneling taxpayer dollars to the Wuhan lab. So they knew about this. And remember, in front of Rand Paul in the Senate, they argued about this. You can go on YouTube and look it right up. Rand's like, you've got this money going in. I don't know anything about the money. No, it's right here. It's under you. You're the guy that's sending the money. Yeah, I don't recall any of that. Then he comes out later and goes like, yep, I did that. He's been doing this the whole damn time. So we go through this and we find out that Fauci knew why the order had been issued. President Trump was alarmed by various reports connecting risky gain of function research inside the lab to the outbreak of the deadly virus under the so-called lab leak theory. The possibility that Fauci's group at the NIH, remember National Institute of Health, might have helped finance a man-made catastrophe was a frightening scenario. This was being looked at over a year ago, and this son of a biscuit is out there telling everybody, nope, just a bat thing. Nobody messed with nothing. Wasn't because of me and my money. So I'm going to keep reading this. 
The book describes specific conversations Fauci had with the White House and the Department of Health and Human Services. That's HHS. As well as verbatim conversations with a longtime friend who pleaded with the medical advisor to defy the directive, canceling the funding. Okay, he wanted to keep sending it despite it. Forget that he's telling you, just keep doing it. Like, everyone's invested in this. It's it's a money thing. I mean, I don't know. We're going to find out eventually because you always follow the money. When Fauci and his colleague Francis Collins, the director of the NIH, balked at complying with the order, the HHS general counsel told them to do it anyway and made it clear it was a direct order from the president. That'd be Trump. Implying that their jobs were on the line if they didn't comply immediately. In the end, Fauci and Collins relented and they canceled the grant money. But when Fauci appeared two months later before a House committee investigating the matter, he seemed to be stricken with an acute case of amnesia. Fauci claimed he was utterly unaware of the reason why the grant was cut off. Except they just told you why. They knew. Trump told him, do it or you're out of here. But this guy was becoming a superstar. Remember? This stuff is so dirty and so nasty for fame and money, for power. That's all this is about. And we sit here and we just take it. Now, I've told you about the Chinese lady that's a scientist. She was working in Hong Kong in the virology and she knows of and had seen things going on in Wuhan. She escaped. She took off with as much information as she could. She's been on Tucker Carlson. Her name is Li Ming Yan. You can look her up. Li Ming Yan. First-hand account. This is a Chinese citizen with first-hand account knowledge telling us this was in the lab. She has photos. There are photos out there. You'll see a virology scientist in Wuhan with a bat hanging off their hat. The bats are in the lab. No, we're not doing anything with bats and labs. No, it's just a pet. I just flew in to say hello. That's how, that's how the protocols are so good that bats can just fly in randomly, I guess. That's where we're supposed to go with this? Ah, you know, just a, just a bat. Uh-huh. Sterile, clean, and everything, and we're just letting bats in. Or we've been collecting bats, and we've been mucking with them. <laughs> Nothing to see here, Eric. You're crazy. Yeah. Crazy as a fox. I know what's going on. I don't trust any of these sons of bitches. None. They're lying, self-serving. But this young lady has nothing. She left. Her husband was still there. Then she comes to find out that her husband got a visa to come to the country. She thinks the guy's coming to kill her. So she's in hiding and running around America or wherever, and hopefully they don't track her down. Still no word on the spy that escaped with his daughter from a couple of weeks ago. Nope. I think that's what McCarthy's talking about. Like, let's declassify all this. They know so much more, as usual, than we will ever know. This will be the JFK thing for the next 50 years. Who shot him? Where did this come from? <sighs> Theories are going to run rampant, and that's how they're going to kind of delegitimize the whole thing, right? People think that the mafia had Kennedy killed. Maybe. That's just crazy. Uh, okay. Just one man just got mad and he happened to be a communist and decided to kill a Democrat president. Okay. But this is going on and on. And I want to share with you another email. Courtesy of NBC News. Report ties Wuhan lab director Xi Zhengli to Chinese military scientists after previous denials. Nope, nope, nope. Nothing to see here. I've been telling you. These people all know each other and have been purposely working for it. They've been making money on it. They've been coming up with <coughs> vaccines and copywriting this stuff and patenting them. The whole thing. The chief Chinese scientist at the Wuhan Institute of Virology has been linked to at least two 
Chinese military scientists who collaborated with her on coronavirus research. According to a report from NBC News, you all do know NBC is not Fox, right? Dr. Shi Zingli, Z-H-E-N-G-L-I, however you say it. She's nicknamed China's, quote, quote, Batwoman for her field research collecting coronavirus samples from bat caves. Has previously denied accusations that her Wuhan lab conducted studies with the military, but NBC News found that she collaborated with two military scientists. Eric, you're crazy. Just making this stuff. You're just out there, man. Hey, if I was just grabbing information from Fox News, I'd be an idiot. But you guys realize I'm pulling stuff from CNN, NBC, MSNBC. What I'm pulling it from the people that love China and love Joe Biden and love Marxism and communism. These are the people that want it. And every once in a while, somehow, some way, some common sense rationale comes over them, and they're like, I should probably do my job. And then they tell us about it. Now, they bury it on page 48 at the bottom or something, but it's there. You just have to look. And that's my job, right? I'm looking for you. I look for America, and in the case of the world for something like this. I'll do the digging. I'll share the information. You use your brains, you put it together, and I'm pretty sure one plus one is still two for everybody out there. This is so infuriating. The lack of trust I, and I believe many people like me, have for any government institution. They're trying to break it on purpose. I've told you that week after week. Break it down from within. So if they keep poking us, poking, as I say, poke the bear, we're going to bite them. And they're hoping we do. I really believe that the Democrats want to fight. They want that quote-unquote civil war because they seem to think that the military is going to take their side in the matter. Maybe. I don't know. You hear things. The leadership's all down with it. They're down for the cause. But the people that are behind the, the guns, uh, I, they're our children. They're our neighbors. This ain't going to fly. It's going to get ugly, and it's going to put America in a weaker spot than we are now. I mean, we're a laughing stock now, but it'll only get worse. The swamp is purposefully trying to hurt us. And from my perspective, I don't understand. I know why they're doing it, but it just, my mind goes, why would you want to ruin something that's the best thing on the planet? Why? There's so many people out here that just hate this country. You're free to go somewhere else. You can go. You can take your passport and you can go anywhere and stay there and live in your newfound utopia. But I like, take that back. I liked what this country was about and for and how it stood up for the citizenry the Constitution of protecting us to improve a more perfect union. Not a perfect, a more perfect. We're always trying to make it better. Always. But you got these people with the D next to their name and their media and the corporate people out there that own everything and all that money and power think, we can break it. And they're trying to break it. Corporate America was always associated with the right. And that, as you've all come to learn, is a joke. They were just using each other. And Republicans and rhinos are just beyond stupid and allowed it to happen and forgot. You get elected by the people, not by a corporation. Speak to the people. Every means in the world possible to do that right now. And been that way. Why do you think Trump just said, screw the media. Here's my Twitter and Facebook and everything else. And then those companies shut it down. Why? Scared to death of it. But I got some clips here because this last part where I'm going to wrap the COVID up for this week is your government, your chairman, Joe... President Harris, all of them. Mayorkas, he's the head of you know, the HHS. They're out there last week. We're keeping an eye on who's not getting vaccinated. This is what they're saying. 
We know, and we are going to send out people to your homes. Ronald Reagan used to say, God bless him, when the government knocks on your door and says, we're here to help, slam the door shut. They ain't helping nothing. Those are the worst words you can ever hear. We're from the government. We're here to help. That's the oxymoron. They're incapable. But they're sitting there going, we're looking. And we're going to go out there. We're going to have units put together and people. We're going to go knock on doors and we're going to say, hey, we're here from the government. We're here to give you your shot. Okay. I dare you to knock on my door. I will open the door with a weapon and I will tell them you were trespassing. Get off my property. You got five seconds. And that's that. And I encourage you, you all can do this. There's no, there's no law saying they can do this. You have every right. And lawyers were talking this week on, you have every right to uh, not open the door. Tell them to F off. Get out of here. You can decline. Laugh in their face. But this is the government coming to you. Now, here's something that I think the government, this is how stupid they all are. So, ladies and gentlemen, do you think it is at all possible that just a group of people were going to put on a nice polo shirt, knock on your door with God knows what in a vial and a needle, and say, we're here from the government. We're here to help. We're going to give you your vaccination. And your grandmother or grandfather, or you know, they're 70, 80, 90 years old, goes, Oh, okay, go ahead. Just give me it right in the arm. Boom, they're dead. Because they've been hit up with God knows what, Dawn dish soap, acid, drugs, like street drugs. A little bit of fentanyl with that. We're here from the government to give you a shot. It's only $100. Oh, okay. How many of your parents are people that are having issue with society today and all the scams going on out there? Going to fall for this and get themselves hurt. They're just going to storm the room and just beat them up, kill them, take anything they want, or just move in. I don't know. Does any of this sound like a good freaking idea? But yeah, your government. Here's some clips of your government wanting to knock on your doors. The president will outline five areas his team is focused on to get more Americans vaccinated. One, uh, targeted community-by-community door-to-door outreach to get remaining Americans vaccinated by ensuring they have the information they need on how both safe and accessible the vaccine is. After receiving a briefing from my entire COVID-19 team, I'm proud to announce that we're getting even closer. <laughs> and it should be because of reconsideration. And it, it, look, let me put it another way. It seems to me it should cause everybody to think twice. And it should cause reconsideration, especially in young people who may have thought that they didn't have to be vaccinated, didn't have to worry about it, and didn't have to do anything about it up to now. But the good news is we are continuing to wind down the mass vaccination sites that did so much in the spring to rapidly vaccinate those eager to get their first shot and their second shot, for that matter, if they needed a second. Now we need to go to community by community, neighborhood by neighborhood, and oftentimes door to door, literally knocking on doors to get help to the remaining people protected from the virus. Uh, perhaps uh, we should point out that the federal government has had to spend trillions of dollars to try to keep Americans alive during this pandemic. So it is absolutely the gover- government's business. It is taxpayers' business if we have to continue to spend money to try to keep people from contracting COVID and, and helping reopen the economy. And so it is our business to try to make sure Americans can prosper, Americans can freely associate. And knocking on a door has never been against the law. You don't have to answer, but we hope you do, because if you haven't been vaccinated, we can help help dispel some of those rumors that you've heard and hopefully get you vaccinated. So there you have the devil spawn, Saki. You have the walking potato, Chairman Joe. 
and you got the HHS secretary, who used to be the Attorney General of California. I can't say that enough because one has nothing to do with the other, and he's bad at both jobs. Becerra. All saying the same thing. We're going to knock on your doors. And you heard Becerra. We have the right to knock on your door, and you have the right not to answer. You have the right to tell them to get off your property now. Before I get to this next and this last clip, this is all personal and a decision to be made. It scares the crap out of me that these Democrats are so dug in to, you've got to take the shot. You've got to get both shots. Now though, there might be a third shot. They cannot wait for you all to get it. That scares the crap out of me. Because they want it, I want nothing to do with it. Now, if these are the same people when it was the anti-vaxxers five, ten years ago. Republicans like, you got to get vaccinated. And the Democrats, no, no, they got to be able to do whatever they want. Now it's all switching roles again. Getting an FDA-approved vaccine, I don't have a problem with it. Some humans may have a reaction. Nothing's out there to prove it. That's all speculation. But this isn't FDA-approved. This has FDA warnings. We're going to knock on your door. So this next meathead, it's F. Chuck Todd from MSNBC. Please get vaccinated. If you know someone who's not vaccinated, find a way to convince them to get vaccinated. Literally, the only people dying are the unvaccinated. And for those of you spreading misinformation, shame on you. Shame on you. People are needlessly dying because of your misinformation. Think about it. I don't know how some of you sleep at night who are doing this for a living on television. Okay, you hear that impassioned, you know, you, how do you sleep at night? I sleep like a baby. More nights than not. And not because of that. It's because it's too hot or something. I sleep good. I'm sound in my thought. This guy's a fanatic. Nobody's dying that got the vaccine. You heard that. Nobody. Except people are dying from the vaccine. Almost every day, if not every day. They're having reactions. Some of them get COVID even though they got the vaccine and die. Now they're talking, well, now we got the Delta variant. Oh, there are more people being hospitalized by the Delta than the original. Well, isn't the original pretty much over? So what, there's like four people in the hospital that have it? And what, five have Delta? The numbers are down dramatically. You can see, you can look at the the damn charts that they bring out. It shows that the numbers are down at the basement. We have more people hospitalized with Delta. That's the new panic. Oh, Oh, get your vaccines. You know, if there was a million people that had it right now, okay, maybe I still say it's a bunch of garbage because it's the flu and the original. They don't know. They're just using never let a crisis go to waste. Never. Keep inflaming it. Keep lying about it. This guy's about to cry on TV with a straight face telling me I'm the horrible person. Everything you just said, jerk off, was a lie. And you know it's a lie. It's proven every moment. You can read anything that says you're lying. That's where we're at. And I just want to end this segment on this. Newsweek, not Fox News. Not, this isn't Newsmax. Let's get it straight. Newsweek magazine. Very liberal. Got people together, professors, scientists, so forth. And they did an analysis. And they believe the first cases of coronavirus started in China back as far as October of 2019. That's based on science and data information they gathered and the statistical probabilities. And China didn't say a word. But we love China. Just ask Nike. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Our Instagram page is at listen underscore up underscore America underscore. 
and our Facebook page is L-U-A Podcast. All together, L-U-A Podcast on Facebook. So please join the community, tell us what you think, and uh, share with all your friends and let them know how awesome we are. Now that's how you introduce the next segment. For those who don't know, that was the soundtrack from the movie Patton, 1970. Classic, best picture of the year, amazing movie. Just watched it again about three weeks ago. So if you haven't heard, we've been in Afghanistan for 20 years. And uh, President Trump decided we were going to be pulling out back when he was in office. And Joe Biden, before that, said we'll be pulling out we even before that, which never happened, he lied when he was running for president on that. He had no desire to pull out. And now he's decided it's time to get out. And we're literally grabbing our people and going. We're leaving a lot of equipment behind. We're flying our jets out. I guess the tanks have been removed. But there's a lot of Humvees and small arms and stuff just laying around that's supposed to be for the Afghan army that I guess we were trying to build. Before I get into Afghanistan and the people there, I want you guys to understand something. If for those that don't know, I am as an ardent supporter of the United States military and all the branches than anyone you're going to meet. No one's going to have more respect for the men and women that volunteered to defend this country ever. Maybe equal, but you're not going to find more. The politics that has crept into our military, the upper echelon over the last 70 years almost now, that's a problem. And it's only getting worse and more blatant. My stepfather served this country for 30 years in the United States Navy. And not a lot of people got to meet him because he passed away in, in 98. But I always tell people, I said, do you ever watch that Clint Eastwood movie, Gran Torino? Yeah, 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 I've seen that. Yeah, that was my old man. That's the man that raised me from about the age of 13 up. I was considering joining the Navy. I mean, geez, Top Gun was like two years before my graduation. Every Every young man aged 16 to 20 wanted to be a fighter pilot, but I wanted to join the Navy. And uh, my stepdad told me no. And I argued with him a bit, like, wait a minute, what do you mean no? And he made it real clear. First, you don't tell a guy like Clint Eastwood no. You do what he tells you to do. But it was out of respect because he said something that I'll never forget. And he says, this family has given enough blood to this country to last several lifetimes. We're good. Go live your life and enjoy the freedoms that I fought for. So I did, and my brother did the same thing. When it comes to military American history, I don't know if you're going to find too many people that know more about it than me. The cause, the effect, the aftermath, the reality, the political spin on everything, to get a true understanding of America's military history in war. When 9-11 happened, and we started finding out weeks after that the Taliban was responsible for this, and they're in Afghanistan. And then we started learning that these guys all came from Saudi Arabia, but were part of the Taliban. I had very mixed emotions about going, like Bush screaming, we're going to Iraq. That was personal, and that wasn't business. That was to finish what his dad started, rightly, with the evasion of Kuwait by the Iraqi army and Saddam Hussein. Kick their butt out, and let's bring some balance back to the Middle East. And our Marines, our Army, 
our Air Force and our Navy, handed Saddam Hussein an ass-kicking in about 36 hours. Now, I know we were bombing them relentlessly for about 30 days, but when it was time to go, our veterans and current service members that were there delivered an ass-whooping unseen by anything on this planet at any time. The media was screaming about how we're going to stack up hundreds of thousands of body bags, that this is going to be just unbelievably bad for us. And most of our dead was from like a stray scud that hit a barracks hotel and friendly fire. There were a lot of bad guys to shoot when the ground war started. And when the passion gets going, the blood starts pumping and the adrenaline's going, mistakes get made. So this was close quarter stuff. But then Iraq had nothing to do with 9-11, but there we are. And we've still there in some sort. And uh, I'm not a big nation building guy. It ain't our job to straighten them out, any of them. If we're there to fight for freedom or something, and those people want the freedom, like in Vietnam, the people of Southern Vietnam wanted it. We cut them off. We pulled out. We left them hanging. And that should have told the entire planet that we are unreliable. That if we say we got your back, and then, you know, when it's inconvenient, politically, we don't. Democrats were all for this thing. Lyndon Johnson and Democrats, woo-woo, let's have that war. Johnson's like, I don't want the war. Democrats are like, we don't want it anymore, so screw Vietnam and, you know, just forget all the guys that have given their lives and watching the fall of Saigon in 75. Yeah. That's on the Democrats. They started it and they let it die. And all the people that were on our side died because we weren't supporting them anymore. We took away the weapons. We stopped the flow. That's why they got slaughtered. Now we're in Afghanistan. We're leaving. And, you know, I have a, an opinion about the Muslim world. They're controlled by power and dictators all over the regions. A heavy hand. Muslims respect the heavy hand. You just look at how they sit and take everything. The Saudi family at the kingdom. These people are just rich. That's what makes them the royal family of Saudi. Ayatollah in Iran. Saddam Hussein when he was alive, running Iraq, the psycho in Syria, he's still there. After all the civil war and everything, he's still there. Muslims, I, you know, I don't know if it's fear, respect. I don't know what it is. But they will sit there and let you step on them all day long. They, as a culture, I don't believe know how to stand up for themselves. They have had no freedoms that they don't know what to do with a freedom. And we try to impart this on them and, and share culture 20 years. And the Taliban says they've taken over 85% of Afghanistan back. It's theirs. Afghanistan says, well, it's more like 30%. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't give a shit if it's 2%. What the hell have you been doing in Afghanistan for 20 years? And this is to the people of Afghanistan. Training? Do any of you know how to drive a tank? Do any of you know how to operate machine guns? Do any of you know how to run tactics in your own damn country? Do any of you know how to fly a helicopter or a jet? Any of you? They don't. Okay, the answer is no, they don't. It is so segregated and tribal. It is very much, in a sense, like America was with the Native American tribes all over. And they all hated each other. And they didn't trust each other. They'd fight and hit and run all day long. There's Native American wars all the time. To this day, Comanche don't like Apache and Apaches don't like Sioux. I mean, it's just still there. All that old bitterness, it's still there. And it's no different in Afghanistan. It's all there. There's no cohesiveness. They're all about themselves and their little three buildings in the middle of nowhere. And the Taliban's like, going to take it. Biden says he's not worried about it at all. Those are going to be famous last words. Well, we have new technology. We have drones, satellites, you 
know, things like that. We can just, you know, stop before it starts. Uh huh. I want to remind you all back in the nineties, we had Osama bin Laden dead to rights on Bill Clinton's watch with satellite and drones and things and cameras right on him. He was at a funeral and Bill said, nah, don't whack him. And we lost him. We didn't blow him up. We didn't kill him. Well, there were some others around. If they're friends of Osama, they're not friends of ours. I don't give a crap. I didn't start the war and we're not even finishing a war. We're just kind of washing our hands of it. So it'll repeat itself. And I've always said that if you don't learn from history, you are doomed to repeat it. And we will repeat this. We will be attacked again. It'll be in five years, 10 years, 30 years, 50 years from the same fanatics in Afghanistan. And we are going to react probably poorly. But I was saying is when it happened and we started getting information about who and what, and it was actually the Taliban and they'd have recruits all over the Middle East. So like I said, as a military American historian, I was all for using nuclear weapons. And I told friends that, and it, it upset a couple that really weren't friends, but acquaintances and we don't talk anymore. And that's fine. That's their choice. If you don't like a conversation, then I mean, it's a little simple on you, but I'm going to remind you all that when nuclear weapons were used in the past, and it was America that did it, it stopped the bloodiest conflict in human history at the snap of a finger. We dropped the atom bombs on Japan, Hiroshima, Nagasaki, and killed upwards of 100,000 people instantly combined. The emperor, who was viewed as a god by the Japanese people, spoke publicly for one of the first times ever and told his country, we surrender, stop, we're out, no more, we lose. And they stopped. The reason we dropped those weapons on Japan, the estimates of dead and wounded of American soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, for the invasion of mainland Japan was in the millions of dead. Wounded would have been, they said, five to seven, maybe eight million. That was the analysis. We were basically going to flush a generation away if we went to take that island and had to fight for every bit of it. This was a fanatical enemy that believed that their leader was God himself. Just like the Muslims and Allah, the whole thing, the misinterpretation of you know Islam, whatever. Very similar in thinking. Fanatical. Nuclear weapons were used to save lives. And I believe that if we were going to do anything, if we were going to change the history of this planet for the better, and not one country would have objected and said, you can't do that after the World Trade Center attacks, the Pentagon, that whole 9-11 day. Not one country. Russia, China, none of them would have said a damn thing. Just like, you poked the bear. You have to remember what it was like 20 years ago. And for those of you that are maybe only 10, 20, 25 years old, that you know, we're just a kid or not even born yet, you have to understand the amount of anger and outrage from the globe. Russia and China, things like that, they were coming up going, I cannot believe they just did that to America. What are they going to do? They all wanted to know what we're going to do. And I was all for turning Afghanistan into a slab of glass. Because I want to remind you, these are, it's not an established functioning society government. It is tribal barbaric. And you can say, well, there's innocent. <clears throat> if you're not with us, you're against us. That makes you an enemy. That is what history says. That's what reality is. You win a war by killing the enemy and destroying everything they have while protecting us. That's how you win it. 
playing, we didn't win Afghanistan. We're in the end, we have soldiers that died. And I'm going to ask for what soldiers that were wounded. And I'm going to ask for what we made relationships, our military personnel with interpreters who chose us and fight the Taliban because they knew their own people weren't going to do it. So they were willing to join and fight with us. We're leaving them behind too. I mean, there's a really good show out there called, uh, the United States of Al on, I believe it's uh, CBS and it's now in reruns right now until next season. And it's very good. And it's talking about a Marine that comes home and he brought his interpreter with him. He was able to get the paperwork through to get him here to save his life because the Taliban is going to kill every one of them. If you didn't fight for them, you are their enemy. Therefore they will kill you. That's why they win. And this is a win for them. They will regroup and we will be attacked again by them and we will play this dance again. But remember these people, how they look at things. If you nuke Afghanistan, hey, you know, if you nuke Mecca, remember that's like their Vatican. They respect the brutality and the strength of their culture. That's just what they do. And Japan is now one of our greatest allies. Their way was wrong. They saw our way was good. I remember in the 70s and 80s, Japan was kicking our keister economically. Hello, Toyota, Honda, all the, you know, Sony and all the TV stuff. That was all them. And then we had to go, whoa, wait a minute. These guys are onto something. <laughs> we were punched back. And that's how capitalism goes in waves. But who's to say that if we had done this and responded, which I think would have been appropriate, by sending the entire planet a message, don't screw with the United States. I want to say something else, but I'm trying to be nice. Don't. Do not ever think about doing that again. And I, based on the history and what I know of these people, they would have fallen in line. And you just let them know. Maybe we don't nuke Mecca or bomb it or whatever. But we let them know the next time one of you come over here and try to hurt people like that in mass, there's a submarine in the Persian Gulf right now with a nuclear warhead aimed right at it. You do it, it will take us less than an hour to respond, and Mecca will never be Mecca again. It'll be a slab of glass in the middle of the desert. Don't poke the bear. And that's just how I feel about the whole thing. And I still do. Because in the end, nothing's changed. You know, the soldiers were told, we're going over there to fight the enemy there so they're not here. Okay. And they're looking at it like, why did we go? We're leaving, we're out. We didn't change anything. We killed Osama and a couple other bad guys. Okay, but how many pay that price? And how many are going to have to pay that price again? You fight a war to win, not to play games, not for a tie, not for, well, we only need this. We don't need that. If you're going to war, you destroy them all. If you're not with us, you are against us. If you stay in a war-torn region and do not leave to find safety or start an army and join the resistance, a la Korea, South Korea, hello, they stuck it. They took heavy losses in the war, and they never stopped. And to this day, they don't stop. Every, every dude over there has got to serve. It's like in Israel. You serve, whether you like it or not. You're serving, because the guys on the other side of the border want you dead. They want all this. And if you're not there, no one's there. We don't do that. We play politics, and we talk about how we can't just indiscriminately drop bombs and using a nuclear bomb. Eric, you're just crazy. What the hell are you talking about? Talking about winning a war. That's what the military was supposed to be doing, but 
and politics, and it's hard to do. So now uh, the Taliban is repeating history. They're coming back in strength from all points of the globe in the Muslim world. Some are saying that Iran will take advantage of their uh, the western end of Afghanistan. They'll work their way in, and the other side will be Pakistan, and they'll work their way in. And then they're saying China's going to build that highway that we started and work off of it and, you know, rare earth mineral mining. And the Russians, they got a score to settle. So the fallout of when the Taliban does take over, despite what Chairman Joe thinks that they won't, it'll be less than a month. As soon as we're officially gone, gone, give it a month. By the end of September, Afghanistan will be under complete Taliban rule because none of them will fight. They're already surrendering. They're surrendering and leaving. They're dropping their weapons and going across the borders and seeking asylum and whatnot because they don't want to fight. The Americans aren't there. They won't fight. They won't defend themselves. Then they were the enemy because their own country isn't worth it. But they were fighting for hours. I don't understand those people, and I never will, but they respect fear and power, and we should have imposed that 20 years ago. As I fear, history will repeat itself. And I've said it a couple of times in, in this segment. The Taliban will get us again. And my question is, when they do, how are we going to respond? Are we going to let the media and limp-wristed Democrats decide our fate? Or are we going to impose our might? We, we built all this for a reason. And if we're not going to use it, then there's no point in having it. Because every year that goes by and they keep doing this, and we don't use the weapons at our disposal that were designed to save the lives of Americans, they'll just keep coming because they know we don't have the political will. It's crime time. Go ahead. Make my day. So I've given you guys some updates on uh, California and uh, specifically the LA sheriff going after all these illegal pot crows. So here's the deal in California. And that's why, uh, you know, I don't smoke the stuff, never smoked stuff. I don't get the point, but whatever. People, you know, young people, whatever. Yeah, man, pot's great. So in California, it's, I'm sure it's different than everyone else. California did it and they looked at it as, well, this is a way that we are going to make money. We're going to tax the crap out of it. So they had planned on issuing almost 6,500 permits for the dispensaries to grow and sell this stuff. And only less than 2,000 have even been issued because it is so expensive to do so. The financing is just, you got to spend so much up front and you haven't even grown or sold a joint yet. And then on top of it, they tax the pot like crazy. So the cartels are all over Southern California in the deserts of LA, San Bernardino, and Riverside counties. They're all over. I can't tell you enough. They are everywhere. If you see a plastic-covered lean-to greenhouse, there's pot being grown in that. Guaranteed. Loads of it. There was a bust this week. I told you about the big one like a week or two ago that the sheriff in LA went after and plowed you know, 70 of those big old greenhouse operations. They, they went after another one. Are you ready? One billion with a B dollars worth of pot was found and destroyed. And 130 people were arrested on site and or associated with the properties. The whole point of this, this is what we were told. If we do this, then all the illegal stuff will go away. Except all the people like smoking pot, like paying five bucks for the pot. They don't like spending 50 bucks for the pot. So the cartels are exposing all this. 
the income gap between, well, dude, I can sell for five bucks and I make a killing. And we'll just grow so much of it. If they hit 10 of them, who cares? We'll just, we got 10 more that are worth a billion dollars in San Bernardino County. I look on the news and I sit there and I'm going, here they go again. Five days ago, two spots were busted in Victorville, California. Both of them had over 3,000 plants, weapons, a couple people arrested. In Phelan, California, 6,000 plants, two locations. Something like 10 people were arrested. Most of them were Hispanic surnames. Two of them were, one was like 60-some years old, the other one was in the 70s, and had typical American surnames. You know, I don't know if they're white or black or whatever. But older people, that it seems like, okay, so they were arrested, but here's the deal. This is what's going on, and, and the sheriff knows this. The cartel comes in, finds an older person that's living alone or whatever, basically says, we're doing this and you got nothing to say about it. And if you do, we'll kill you. So they just take the property and do what they want with it. And the guy's being arrested because he owns the property. I'm sure it'll get sorted out and so forth, but this is happening every day. Every day, a pot, an illegal pot grows being busted in Southern California that are huge. I mean, you would think 3,000 and 6,000 plants are huge. No, a billion dollar site was busted by the sheriff of LA County. It's unbelievable how much is being grown. It's everywhere. But this was going to solve our problem. Remember, Democrats don't solve problems. They make them worse. You thought drugs were out of control before? What do you think all these homeless people are homeless for? They're all mentally whacked out on drugs. And you can tell me, well, pot isn't a gateway. Bullcrap. You got the state of Oregon is considering making every drug legal as long as it's whatever the size or portions. So you can do acid, you can drop heroin, you can do mushrooms, you can do anything up there if they get their way. Sounds like it's a gateway to me. Yeah, do meth. Just don't make sure it's, you know, under a gram or whatever. I don't even know. But that's how disgusting this all is. And we sit there and we just justify like, well, you know, I'm a libertarian, I'm conservative, I believe in freedom. I believe in a civil society based on freedoms and common sense. And having a society on drugs makes no sense. So I'm sorry, I don't want it around. And I don't think you should be doing drugs because it's going to kill you. More people are dying of drugs every day than COVID, but drugs we're cool with and COVID is like, oh my God, we're going to come to your house and we're going to give you a shot. Right. I told you about the fentanyl last week. Every person in San Francisco dead four times over. <sighs> Nothing to see here. See, none of you even heard about that until I told you because they don't talk about this crap. Drugs. Being legalized is not okay, it is not smart, and it's just another way to chip away and destroy the American society. So we're going to fade over to Hunter and the Bidens. So Hunter's laptop, you know, the FBI is still dicking around with that. And images come out. Remember, some independent journalists have the information on flash drives and so forth. They, they, they've been scrolling through all this over and over. Remember, Chairman Joe said, I have no dealings with any of my son's business activities overseas or nothing. I don't know nothing about nothing. Complete deniability. Except there are now photos out there of Chairman Joe was vice president and president-elect hanging out with these five or six Mexican donors, two of them like the richest dudes of Mexico, that in text messages on the laptop say, we'd like some access to your father and like to meet him and can't wait. And oh, thank you for letting us meet your father. And there's a picture of Joe and Hunter with these guys all smiles up, having a good old time. But you know, that never happened because Chairman Joe said so. And he's a Democrat and they don't lie ever. No, no. Totally on the up and up. 
which goes into the next thing about Hunter. So did you all know Hunter is an artist? He's an artiste. So he takes his crack pipe. I am not kidding you. And he puts paint. So he blows through the crack pipe, the paint, and splatters it all over canvas, I guess, or paper, whatever the hell he's doing. It looks like third grade art, you know, your kid comes home with, for those that have kids, and you think, oh, and they're so proud of it. And you're like, oh my God, you're not an artist. But that's amazing. You just, I'm going to go put it over here. And like, no, 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 put it on the fridge. I want everyone to see it. And you're like, oh my God. Yeah, it's that bad. Every president has one. And what they've got is an ethics chief that says, you can't do that. You can do that as long as you da 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 or no, 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 no. What you're thinking, stop. You cannot pull that off. So Obama's guy is telling Hunter Biden and the Biden administration, because Hunter wants to sell his art. And mind you, like Rembrandt and Picassos and things like that are being sold at yeah, Sotheby's in England. They were just, there was a sale just last week, like $500,000 for some, some of that kind of art. Hunter's art is going to be selling for like the same 500,000 His crack pipe splatter paint is being sold. And the ethics chief of Obama saying, you can't do that. You have to disclose who's buying it because we need to know who's buying access. Cause that's why they're buying this crap from a crackhead. And the Biden administration saying, no, 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 no. We don't have to disclose any of that. We're not going to, we're just, you know, people are going to give us $500,000 to the kid and they're going to take the art, you know, and then they're going to show up and we're not going to talk about it. And Obama's ethics chief was saying, you cannot do that, but they're going to, I don't know if you all know, but Tesla's the car, they are hot heaps of garbage. They're, they're literally the worst vehicle you can buy. You can go to motor trend and things like that. JD power does the thing. It rates all the vehicles. How many problems per hundred cars do they have? And then that's how you get who's the best, who's the worst. So the best, the least amount of complaints on vehicles lately has been going to Dodge T Mopar. They have the fewest Dodge Chrysler. They have the fewest issues. It's like 0.2 per hundred. And then it goes from there and Honda and Toyotas, they're having more issues lately. But they're no longer the kings. You would always think, well, it's Toyota Honda. They last forever. <laughs> it's Dodge is number one. Has been for like the last three years. You want to know who the worst is? Uh, I probably spoiled it, but it's Tesla. You want to know how many issues they have per hundred? It's almost three. That is huge. When you look at the percentage increase per hundred and you go point something and three. Well, there was a dude driving around in his car three days after he bought it and he was waiting. It was the, it's the high end one, whatever that piece of crap is you know, the $120,000 one or whatever. He waited, waited, waited. He finally got it. While driving, inexplicably, it catches fire. He did escape, but the car burned to the ground. Now, the government's looking into this because this isn't the first time a Tesla has just caught fire randomly. They do this. (laughs) And I just, hot piece of garbage. And that's what you all want. And if you're in California, you can't even plug it in. (laughs) Because, you know, we got electrical shortage in summertime. And we have a drought. The governor's coming out saying, hey, everybody, cut back your water usage by 15%, says the guy that's taking three showers a day. (laughs) That's the hypocrite of the man. You know, the hypocrisy. You know, everyone else stop, but I'm going to go have dinner at French Laundry without my mask. Everybody stop, but I'm going to go dive in my pool, drain it, and fill it again, and then get into it again, because I don't use the same water twice. That's where we're at on this. Oh, mercy me. What's a podcast without?
So the bartender has an opinion about Shakari Richardson. She's the Olympic track runner that got DQ'd and is off the team because she smokes pot. She blamed that because her mom died, she smoked pot. Okay, so she's banned and can't do anything, and that's the end of it. But AOC says, hey, it's not about the pot. This is just another example of racism and colonialism at work. The IOC committee triggered outrage after suspending her for her marijuana use. The IOC is not American, you nitwit. It's the International, that means everybody, Olympic Committee colonialism and racism. So congratulations. Once again, everything else is racist because the bartender said so. So let's fade to crime in California. Um, I've been telling you guys about the, uh, all the run-ins in San Francisco. Uh, they go in and just steal everything and take off. Well, they're closing stores like crazy. Target is now closing stores at six o'clock in the Bay area, six o'clock at night, no longer open to 10 or midnight. Because crime is just fanatical after that. So they're closing in about six. If you don't get there by six, tough. You didn't get nothing. That's where this goes. If you are not going to prosecute criminals, if you're going to make laws to make it where you can do whatever you want and then tell the police, you can't do this and you can't do that. And it's all your fault. The circle of life, right? That spin. Create the problem and blame everybody else. It got worse. There's video. Oh, it's hilarious. Neiman Marcus. I don't shop there. I'm guessing it's like a high-end, like a Macy's or something. A large group of black people go into Neiman Marcus, steal everything they can get their hands on in one like, go! And they went, grabbed all they could and come busting ass out the parking lot. And in the parking lot are San Francisco PD officers with their phones out, filming them running and jumping into cars. And they're filming the license plates and all that stuff. Will they be charged? I don't know. Probably not. I mean, all the stuff will be gone, so you won't have any evidence that they took. You know, you're going to have a video. I don't know. But yeah, that just happened. And that was in the middle of the day. The sun was out. Broad daylight just ripped off the big old department store. And that's going to take me to the end here. And I want to give you an update on Gavin Newsom and the recall. 43 signatures were dropped out of the 1.7 million, so he's good to go. He's going to be recalled. Oh, this will get better. So Newsom, while filling out the paperwork to be put on the ballot, he left something off because he's that stupid. He didn't put his party on there. So he left the Democrat off of it. So it looks like he's just a nobody independent or whatever. So he's suing the election board to get it on there because he screwed it up. And the deadline's passed type thing for him. He'd get it on or whatever. <laughs> so he's misfiled his paperwork. And then the one state government of California, the Marxists of California, went and had a bill passed in about three minutes that not a Republican could do to stop because they don't have the votes. They moved the election date up sooner. So instead of it being in November, it's going to be in September. September 14th is going to be the election day. For recall, their thinking is if we can speed it up, then his opponents won't have time to build anything. And they may be right and they may be wrong. The other side of it is it's too soon. Because everyone's going to have all this crap in their mind about that guy screwed up everything and it'll be fresh. So, and he's giving himself by really bad decisions of no time to separate. He's just, you know, everybody quit showering and watering everything. But like I said, I'm going to go swim, drain my pool, and I'm going to go swim in it again and rinse, wash, repeat, because I don't use the same water twice. Watch, it'll happen. And there was a little bit of good news. There's been a teaser out here in California because I'm like all the nutbags are talking about running for governor, but there's a gentleman named Larry Elder, who is a conservative 
radio host. He guest spots on Fox News and probably other channels. I don't know. He is amazing. I'm a huge fan of Larry Elder, and my wife's already Facebooked him, and I sent him an email because he was on uh, one of the shows on Fox and said, well, if you think I should run, you know, drop me an email, and I dropped him an email. Get your booty in this race, and let's take California back. And this is a black man, because I'm so racist, who's conservative, because that's what I care about, that is considering running. Larry Elder, you have to run for governor of California. I will do everything in my power to make sure you win. Be the peace. That's a wrap for this week's episode. Be the peace. Don't let emotion get the best of you. Remember, you are the resistance. God bless you, your family, and America. America.